All right, strap on your seat belts. We have about an hour together, and then we'll be ready for lunch, right? Hey, if you are new today, don't be afraid. I joke around a lot, but we take what we do very seriously here at St. Paul. Uh, we know that we have a mission, and that mission is to uh, reach out and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So thank you for being here today. Live streaming, as always, we are glad that you are here. Well, um, there's a question I want to begin with this morning, and that question usually starts when we're kids. Anybody know what the question is? Who do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. I was asked that question as a kid, and I think they said I was like uh, five at the time. Uh, my family said that uh, they reported this. So when I was asked that question as a five-year-old, Bob, who do you want to be when you grow up? My response was Carol Burnett. I don't know why I said that. Um, my family swears by it. I, it's probably because my, my parents love to watch her show, and, and I kind of got into that little, you know, little wiggle of the ear thing. Uh, you know, but later on in life, uh, I was in fourth grade, and Miss Watson was my teacher. And she asked the class, what do you children want to be when you grow up? And I raised my hand, and back then I went by Bobby. And uh, she says, Bobby, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, Miss Watson... I want to drive the Skeeter truck. You know, the Skeeter truck, like Skeeters, you know, mosquitoes. You know, the, the truck that, oh, now you got it, okay? You got it now? All right. That's my, it's my southern draw, I guess. But, you know, I wanted to drive the Skeeter truck, and, and, and there's just something about driving that truck through the neighborhoods. They would drive that through my neighborhood all the time. You know, it would have that stinky, smelly, sticky goop that would come out. I have a friend who used to run behind the Skeeter truck. And he would inhale all that stuff, and let me just tell you, even today, he's not right, okay? Uh, and and, and I, know, I know what that's like. But, but what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? And one of the things I love about our preschool, Sunkiss Preschool here, is going to their annual graduation service. We have it here in the sanctuary, and, and they get asked that question, and we put it up on video, we do little outtakes of the kids, and, and uh, you know, Chief Understad of, of Largo, he's a part of our congregation, and, uh, you know, uh, I remember one year, every, everybody wanted to be a police officer. Remember that, Chief? They all wanted to be police officers. So they want to be a police officer, they want to be a firefighter, um, they, you know, but, but then you've got the little kids that say they want to be like their mom or like their dad, and I just, I, you know, my heart just gets warm because when they say that, they're smiling, and it's like, well, they just give me love. And it just is kind of one of those things, I mean, everybody just say, aw, aw, yeah. I mean, it just, it just really warms your heart uh, when you do that. You know, some, some people want to be a person of importance. You want to be somebody that, that is going to make a difference in your community or in our society or world, and you just feel like you need to be a person of importance. Others, you, you kind of take on that approach of, you know, I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes person. I don't really want the credit, so I want to be the person that's the helper. I want to be the Barnabas. I want to be the encourager, uh, that person behind the scenes. Some of you are sitting here this morning saying, Preacher, the only thing I want to be is getting out of this place, so hurry up, because breakfast is waiting. But the question is, who do you want to be? I find it interesting that, that when we're asked that question, a lot of us, we go to categories. You know, as we're getting into that Super Bowl season. So some of us say, I want to be an athlete. And, and maybe we want to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, some of us say, well, I want to be a billionaire. You know, how about like Mark Cuban? You know, we want to be a billionaire. Some of us, you know, we, we say, hey, 
you know, that there's more people that I want to be like, you know. I want to, I want to be like um, a great movie star, like Robert Downey Jr. Who, who doesn't want to be Iron Man, right? You know, and in some of you, we aspire to be like the greatest songwriter of all time who has a smoking problem. His name is Willie Nelson. And so Willie, you know, so we want to be Willie. Uh, but, but who is it that you want to be when, when you get older? When I was answering my call to ministry, I went to a seminary in North Carolina. I was assigned two little rural parishes while I was there. And I remember the one thing that every preacher who is coming up, who is in seminary or who's getting ready to have a church for the first time, we all want the same thing. We want to be the greatest preacher. That's the, we want to be the greatest preacher. And, you know, uh, that's all we aspire to is be a great preacher. And I remember shortly after arriving at Fair Promise United Methodist Church in Glendon, in Glendon, North Carolina, I remember one Sunday I shared a message and the pillar of the church, not these pillars, the pillar person came up to me and she said, Bob, you are a model preacher. And I was like excited about it. So I went home and you know me, I, anytime I can be humble, I'm going to do that, right? <laughs> So I went home and I said, Patty, Mackie Pascal thinks I'm a model preacher. And she just thinks I'm wonderful. She said I'm a model preacher. And my wife, if you know her, she will never let me get ahead of it. And she looked at me and she said, Bob, you know what the dictionary defines model as, right? A small imitation of the real thing. <laughs> so who, who do you want to be? And, and why? And what is that? Last week, um, I introduced to you that we have a diverse representation of our congregation. We have some folks who are legacy persons, who've been a part of St. Paul a long time, who've seen changes and, and since the history and that. We have, we have some folks that are like, have kids and, and students and who are millennials, and we have staff. And we've put together this vision team. And we're, we're, we're working with a coach who's an outside influence on us and that coach is helping us to learn how to love together, uh, learn how to learn together, and learn how to lead. And she's uh, helping us, and we are, we are moving in through this process because we really want to know what God has in store for St. Paul United Methodist Church. Not tomorrow, not today, but we really are trying to make provisions of where does God want the church to be, how serving, and those things 20, 25, 30 years from now. We really believe that God is speaking to the heart of the church, capital C, today. And God is saying and calling witness to the church. And God is saying it's time for the church to be who it's created to be. Uh, I also shared with you last week that the number one reason why people don't go to churches today, um, you know, those of you that are visiting, maybe, maybe you've seen a fluctuation in the attendance of your churches. We certainly see it here at St. Paul. It's, 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 across the country, if not worldwide. And I shared with you that a reason why many people no longer connect with the local church is because they feel that the local church has no identity, that the church doesn't know who it needs to be or who it is to be or called to be. And therefore, it's an identity crisis. And we talked about last week how, how we need to make sure that we understand what values we have as a church, that it's important for us that, that we all understand who we are as St. Paul United Methodist Church, who we are as Christians, who we are as part of this journey of the faith, and all of those things together. So we, we've embarked on this series called Our Values. Last week, I shared with you our first value, and that is that we love God and others, 
And we love because we are loved. And I shared with you that the importance of of that came from Jesus' words in John chapter 13, verse 34, where Jesus said, a new command I give you. And it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an afterthought. And when the Lord says, I'm giving you a command, we learn that our ears better perk up. And therefore, we need to listen to what God says. A new command I give you, and that command was to love uh, one another as I have loved you. And we struggled with that verse because we recognize as people that so often we want to choose who to love. We want to say, I'll love that person if they do this, or if they look like me, or if they act like me, or believe like me. But Jesus said, it's not up to us to decide. He says, I'm giving you this command, and the way you're to love is a verb. Remember when I said that? It was an imperative verb, for those of you in the English language. And he said, you need to do this. Therefore, that word love is based upon not our action, but on a person. And who's the person? Jesus. And so therefore, we are called to love. So so that's our first value that we unpacked last week. Throughout this year, we're going to really start unpacking more of these values to get into. Because when you talk about love, there's so many things like forgiveness, restoration. We're going to be getting into a lot of those things throughout this year. But I want to kind of get back to today. And, and you know, today, I think it's fair to say that if we look around at the news and uh, we just see what's happening around the world and in our country and in our neighborhoods, I think a good scandal really piques our interest, doesn't it? You know, there's something just sexy about a scandal. And if somebody is involved in some kind of scandalous behavior, it really gets our attention. And because it's scandalous, we we see that, wow, I want to be involved in that. Now, some of us, we like scandals because it's happening to somebody else. And when someone else's life is going through scandal, and when there's a problem in their life, kind of what it says to us is, listen, my, my trash life looks pretty good next to that. And so we feel a little bit better about ourselves because someone else is having a trouble. But, but scandals seem to, to really get our attention. Years ago, when Patty and I lived in Orlando, in fact, we were newly married back in the mid-80s, and um, there was a program that came on ABC Network. I believe back then it was WFTV. It might still be there today. And it was called Good News. And they had news stories like the fire department came out and rescued Mabel Brown's cat out of a tree. Okay? Or they would say, look, you know, this baseball team won their championship. Or, or here this Boy Scout was helping, you know, these people cross the street. It was all these good stories. The bad news is they took it off the air. Nobody wanted to watch it. It was all about good news. And so, so we gravitate toward the scandalous behavior. And that seems to be something that calls our attention. Maybe, maybe some of you here this morning, maybe you like the scandalous. Maybe you like those TV programs about scandal. Maybe, maybe the first thing you do is go online or you read the newspaper and you try to find out what's going on and who's, who's wrong this time and all that other stuff because it makes us feel a little bit better. But listen to me, Jesus wants us to live an authentic life. And that's the important thing that we need to learn today is that no matter what's going on in our life, authenticity is the key. And to live an authentic life is to follow Jesus and to follow his life. 
The Apostle Paul wrote many letters to the churches, and we have several of those in our New Testament or in our Bible today. And Paul is writing about um, the challenges and the problems that the churches are facing. And a lot of them aren't really sure about what's the right value. But then again, they're, they're kind of dealing with issues and challenges of judgment and, and, and uh, behavior and those kind of things. So, so a lot of Paul's letters that we read tries to address the behavior or the noted behavior of these new believers or these people called Christian. And Paul's words then apply to us now. That's why we believe that the scriptures are God-breathed. They are a manifestation of God's story that uh, live in our lives and that just because it happened in history doesn't mean that it's a historical thing that we say, oh, that happened back then. It has no credence on us today. No, 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 no. It is our story as well. And it continues to be. So Paul had something to say about behaviors and specifically about authenticity. Listen to what he writes here in Galatians 5. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Now listen to this. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy. Then he goes on, he says, drunkenness and orgies and the like. You know, so Paul, Paul's kind of given us this, this, this small list of, of kind of the, of the behaviors that are, are not authentic in the eyes of God. Now, trust me, this is not a complete list. And so often we say, this is the list and this points them all out. And if you're, no, 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 this is just a few. And, uh, but, but let's, let's look at these for a second. So, so you know, if given a choice, um, some of us will choose not to be authentic like Jesus, but we'll choose some of these qualities that Paul talks about. You know, for instance, he talks about sexual immorality. You know, in the, in the biblical context, sexual immorality is premarital sex. That's what sexual immorality is in the biblical term. So uh, fornication is another word that is, is used that. So, so it calls into question, have any of us had premarital sex? So that, that's what he's addressing. He's asking that, that question. Um, you know, do you ever struggle with jealousy? You ever jealous about something or, well, that's on the list. And, and how many of you hope to, to get the promotion over the other person and you're kind of doing what you can because to get that promotion will put you above someone else and get you on that trajectory of life that you want. Well, that's called selfish ambition, right? He also says uh, dissension. You know, um, how many of us dig our heels in on something and we're not movable? We, it's an argument or a discussion or whatever it might be. We're going to draw the line in the sand. We're going to dig in our heels and we're going to make sure that we don't move off of this, even if it's hurting somebody else. Folks, that's called dissension. Uh, ever, uh, have you ever been a builder of opinions? Have you ever thought something and, and it was uh, important to you or you wanted to get back at somebody? So what do you do? You kind of coalesce people around you, your friends, people in your circles. Hey, you need to join with me on this. You know, you, I need to be able to say that there's a bunch of us, that it's not just me. Is that, is that sounding familiar anywhere? Well, that's called factions. We build factions. Um, how many live a life of drunkenness? I mean, don't answer that question. I mean, but, but think about that. Or do we just kind of go through life and say, oh, I had a good buzz last night. 
You know? Um, ever wanted what someone else has and you don't have it? What's that called? That's called envy. How many want to win the lottery? If I just had all that money, it's called idolatry. So you see, when, when we look at Paul's writings and we start thinking about all these things he points out, it's not always the other person, is it? It's us. And I think what Paul is trying to tell us is none of us, not a single one, none of us is worthy without the grace of God. And so this is really important as we, as we take a look at, at these things. He goes on to write in Colossians, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Jesus Christ, the master. Now, what does he say? Live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You've been given Christ, so live in him. You've, he's deeply rooted in you and you in him. You're well constructed upon him. And now do what you've been taught. So Paul says that we all have Christ in us, whether we recognize it or not. It's called prevenient grace. That God is alive, that that seed of the Spirit is within us. Whether or not we've discovered it yet, it's there. And so he calls us to live into that. But you see, we, we hear those words, but still we, we yearn that, that we want to be somebody else. You know, sometimes we're just not happy with who we are. If I could just be like, or if I could do that like that person, or, or if I could, whatever. And the world certainly gives a lot of choices. But listen, why not adopt the values of Jesus? Instead of aspiring to be someone else, instead of aspiring to be a, a Hollywood star, a billionaire, a lotto winner, a, a, the most successful person in your business, the leader, or whatever, why don't we aspire to have the values of Jesus? Why don't we want to be authentic as Jesus is authentic? You know, adopt Jesus' values. Why don't we learn to love like Jesus? Why don't we learn to forgive like Jesus? Why don't we learn to be like Jesus? And I think that that's really what Paul's trying to help us to understand, is that we've got to stop aspiring for our own personal gain, and we've got to stop pushing our own agendas, and we've got to stop doing whatever it is that's centered solely on us, and instead be authentic like Jesus. So let's look at this word authenticity. What does it mean? And there's a definition of authenticity, and here it is. Of undisputed origin. Genuine. How can we be of undisputed origin, and how can we be genuine? Because that's what authenticity means. Let me tell you, we can't do it on ourselves, can we? And that's why I say it's God rooted in us through Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I wrestled with this um, definition of undisputed origin and genuine. And I, I was looking at this, and, and, and I started thinking about, you know, what does that mean to me? 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 And then I decided that's the wrong way to look at it. Because I, I'm going to mess it up. And then I said, maybe I'm supposed to ask, what does that mean for me? 
You following me? Do you see the, 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 the slight change of the thought and the approach? Not what does that mean to me, but what does it mean for me? And I think when we start looking at it that way, what does it mean for us to be authentic? We can begin to see the importance because when, when we say, what does it mean to me? We'll, we'll quickly just, we'll have all the, the hopes and thoughts about being like Jesus, but then sure enough, somebody's going to come who's, you know, a couple of fries short of a happy meal and they're going to tick us off about something. And then all of a sudden that authenticity has gone. Being authentic, being authentic. And that's why we need to go back to the values of Jesus. Paul, Paul says this, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit. Notice it's not plural. When I grew up, my preacher always said it's the fruits of. It's not. It's the fruit. It's not plural. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit. Which means that, that it's not like maybe you get this one or that one or, or eh, God, he's not going to handle that one well. So no. no, no, it's the fruit. It's all of it. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Say love. It's joy. Say joy. It's peace. Say peace. It's forbearance. Say forbearance. That's a fancy word of saying you're patient. Okay. okay. Uh, kindness. Say kindness. Goodness. Say that. How about faithfulness? Say that one. Now listen to this one. Gentleness. Say it. And self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, Paul says, there is no law. Against those things, there is no law. So then he goes on to write, he, he talks about then, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that list I read to you earlier out of Galatians, when we are in Christ, we crucify, or Christ crucifies that in us. Okay, All those things of the flesh, all those things that are not authentic, all those things that drive us from God, Christ has crucified that. And instead, he's given us. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Wow. I don't know if you've ever read that, that verse slowly, but if you read that, that's pretty powerful stuff. He tells us what we're to be. You know, Jesus wasn't conceited. He wasn't envying anybody. Um, you know, but Jesus was love, and, and, and Jesus was one who had forbearance and kindness and gentleness. So, so these are the things that we really need to get together. So, so authenticity is found in the fruit of the Spirit. There it is. Authenticity is found in the fruit of the Spirit. So, so how do I know how to be authentic like Jesus? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's in you. It's in me. Claim it. Let it live there. When I, when I was a kid and teachers and friends would say, Bobby, what do you, who do you want to be when you grow up? Let me tell you, I never thought about it this way. That's why I thought about it the way that I did. I, I never thought about I never thought as a kid in grade school that I wanted to be like Jesus. I didn't. But yet, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the Lord himself. You see, when we, when we want to be like Jesus... We no longer want worldly advancements. We no longer accept worldly desires that corrupt us. We, we no longer fall prey 
to the things that entice us and, and pull us away from our roots in God. And I said earlier that, that we've got to remember that, that the Spirit is in us, that the fruit is in you. It's called the Imago Dei. And that's, those are two words that come from Latin that mean the image, Imago Dei, God, the image of God. So the image of God lives in all of us. We don't have to like go to, go to work and uh, you know, do all these great deeds to have the image of God in us. We don't have to like you know, be this perfect person. No, no, no. The, the creation story says that you and I are created in the image of God. And that's something that, that we need to remember. And that means that, that God's DNA is inside of you. That whether you've asked for it or not, it's there. If they were to run a DNA test, they would find that, that there's something else inside of you that is not you, and that's God. And God is a part of our DNA. <clears throat> God, God is a part of every vessel. God is a part of everything in our bloodstream. God is a part of everything in our body and in our life. And if Jesus is in us, then, then it's an opportunity for us to embrace that and to begin to live with the fruit of the Spirit. And see, that's something that, that you and I can do. We can, we can leave this place today and we can go into our uh, breakfast places. We can go into our schools. We can go out on the golf course. Uh, we can say it in the car driving back to Longwood or something like that. That was just random. But, uh, but anyway, so we could do any of those kinds of things because... People don't need bad news. They need the good news. And that's why we need to make sure that we live that life of authenticity. So if Jesus' values are in you and I have the fruit of the Spirit, what do I do? Paul says, be imitators of God. And when we're imitators of God, he's not saying that you are God. He says that you emulate those, that fruit of God and therefore God's Spirit is in you. And we need to remember that because God's Spirit is in us that we are a person of value, we are a person of worth, and if someone has ever told you that you're not, you need to flush that toilet real quick on that thought because God created you in His image. And as that old commercial when I was a kid, uh, God don't make no junk, okay? And God has created us for that very purpose. And that's what's important for us to know. Last week, I also shared with you that, that there's 6,000 to 10,000 10, churches every year that are closing their doors around our country, the United States. 6,000 to 10,000. That's 100 to 200 churches a week that are closing their doors because people feel like the church doesn't know who it is. Listen, churches are closing not because Jesus got it wrong. Churches are closing because we haven't gotten it right yet. And, and as soon as we get it right, that will change. Because then the church's mission and purpose will be believable and people will embrace that. Church leaders, and that's clergy, that's laity, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how do we get people to come back to church? How do we reach new people who aren't connected to the church? We start talking about repurposing buildings. We start you know, creating this and that. Let's do this better than the church down the road. Let's design this program. Let's make sure we meet this need. Let's hold this on a Wednesday night. I mean, we do all of that stuff. And folks, it's just stuff. You know what? People don't want that. They want the church to be authentic. They want to know that when they connect to us and we connect to them, that there's something that's different. They want to know that we are willing to meet them. The only way that we're going to connect with other people is to be authentic like Jesus was authentic. That's the only way that we'll ever reach people for Jesus. 
is to be authentic as he is. People will connect with you. They'll connect with me when we're honest, when we're transparent, when we're not playing the role that we're this super ultra righteous whatever believer and that we're going to heaven and they're going to hell. But when we're honest and we say, you know what, I, I screw up too. I'm a sinner. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks, I'm a sinner. And I don't make good choices all the time either. And I fall far from the glory of God every day. But praise be to God. God loves me. And when I recognize that and I repent of that, that God says, welcome home. And I'm there and he embraces me. And when we as a church, little c and capital C, start that kind of message, that we are authentic as Jesus is authentic, that we're not trying to be something that others think we should be, but we are who we are, and in spite of that, God loves us. That's the church that people will be brought to. And that's why our second value is this. Our second value as we move forward as a church is very simple. We strive to be authentic. We live out what Jesus taught us. We strive. Notice it doesn't say we are. I don't think we're ever there. Uh, I think we're always a work in progress. Would you agree with that? So we strive to be authentic. We live out what Jesus taught us. So that's the important piece that we see. And when you and I uh, begin and end every day like that, when we live our life in between with that value and that value of love, when we start being that kind of person, people are going to know about the grace and the glory of God. People are going to catch the flu called Christianity. And when we sneeze on them, they're going to become uh, integrated with that flu bug. And they're going to go like, my goodness, my eyes have been opened to the world of God. And I'm now a portion of that kingdom's purpose. You see, these values are really important. And I hope that as we continue to unfold these in the weeks to come, that we see the importance that, that comes to that. You know, we want to live out the way that Jesus taught us. We want to be authentic. And by being that way, we can see. So living into the fruit of the Spirit, living into what God has placed in us already, discovering that, and living into that is the people we're called to be. St. Paul, United Methodist Church, that's a call before us. Are we ready to do that? Are we ready to be authentic as Jesus taught us?